0: A few years ago, I began a new spiritual journey. I was raised a Christian, but tired of my confusion and denying my gifts, I decided to take a new path of discovery and internal growth. Along the way, one thing I realized was how many others are in a similar place in their lives, knowing there's more, but stuck in their own conditioning or doubt. So I decided to start this podcast as a way of vocalizing the things I was learning. But then it became something more. I decided to blend my own quest for self-discovery with a deep dive into the fascinating world of Cajun culture. We'll unravel the unexpected connections between these two paths and how they play a unique role in guiding us towards healing and growth. Hopefully, while offering insights and inspiration. I'm Heather, And this is Soulful Wonderings with the Pretend Cajun. Are you coming along for the ride? So I think we've established that when you think about this part of South Louisiana, you kind of think Cajun country, right? But the thing that's really interesting is that it's not just Cajun. There's also Creole and Native Americans. And I think it's worth noting that there's more than one kind of Creole which is actually something I didn't know that much about at first. In fact, I'm really just discovering a lot of that recently. The first time I really remember learning anything about Creole culture, I think was in college. Um, I went to Northwestern, which is in Natchitoches, um, which is kind of central Louisiana. And for one of my art classes, we went to Melrose Plantation, which is actually right outside of a town called Clutchyville. And this is where Clementine Hunter lived. Now, for those of you that don't know, she was this amazing, self-taught painter. And her paintings are just absolutely beautiful. And they're important. They're important to the history um, of our country, but that area, too. And later, the plantation actually became an artist colony. At least I think that's the proper term to call it. And some really talented people went through there and worked there. But anyway, that's another story that, you know what? I'm going to definitely plan to talk about that in another episode. It is worth talking about for sure. But the point is, that's where I really saw the Creole influence probably for the first time. So back to Cajun country, where I am, and those cultural influences we were talking about. But you have French, you have African American, you have Native American, you have, well, of course, Acadian, who are the people that were basically expelled from Nova Scotia and came here. And then, of course, there's Spanish as well. I mean, I guess when you think back to your history classes and the Louisiana Purchase, Think about how many different people came through Louisiana. It really does make sense. And one of the things I love about this area is that there's an amazing place here that's called Vermilionville, But it's not just a place that you visit. It is actually a living history museum. They bring the Acadian history to life. So the village is 23 acres, and it includes 19 buildings that represent the year 1765 through the 1900s. And some of those buildings are actually original. Some have been reproduced, you know, to look like the time. So as you go through the village, you sort of get a feel for what things were like then, you know you'll see tools around there's an area where um, it's a workshop and they've made um, I guess canoes is the proper term and there's several different ones so there's just a lot that you can see that helps you understand what life would have been like then and then it goes even beyond that there are actually costumed artisans that are throughout the village. Um, You'll find them at the various houses and they may be doing demonstrations or available to talk for you to ask questions. And through these artisans, you'll see arts and crafts of the time. Um, There are women that are spinning cotton into yarn. Uh, There's a food historian around here. We know that's important. I mean, my goodness, the food here. Um, Then we have Chief Sitting Bear. He's of the Avigel people and he's just a great source of knowledge and so great to have him there. So you'll see these folks around the village and they all speak French. There's a lot of French spoken there. You may see one of them um, conducting a tour for visitors. So it's a really great way to just sort of immerse yourself in this culture And, of course, the focus there is on Acadian, Creole, and Native American culture. Another thing that I find absolutely amazing and cool is that there's also a musical historian there. And I'm not sure, if you're not from here, you may not realize just how much music is in the culture. And there's different types of music. And at Vermillionville... You can actually participate in the music. How cool is that? So on Saturdays, um, the Cajun French Music Association sponsors a Cajun jam. So if you're ever visiting, I'm going to let you know it's from 1 to 3. And the only time they don't have that is if they have a special event going on on that Saturday. But there's usually, you know, a noted local musician that sort of leads things, but others can actually sit in and join in and play with them. How neat is that? You just bring your instrument and you go and jam with these people for the afternoon. Or if you're not a musician and you don't want to do that, you can just come and just enjoy it. Perhaps just dance the afternoon away. Another very interesting thing that happens every weekend is on Sundays from one to four, you will find La Balle du Dimanche. And I probably did not say that right. So forgive me. But that means the Sunday Ball. And here they alternate the music between Cajun, Zydeco, and Swamp Pop. See, I told you, there are all different kinds of music and people have different tastes as to what they like. Some people like one and not the other, or some people just like them all. They don't care as long as it's Cajun music, they're there and they're going to dance. And just so you guys know, if you're ever visiting, there is an admission price to get to the ball, but it also includes your admission into the village. So it's totally worth it. You know, we talk about the fact that this culture seems to be dying out a bit. So, having such an amazing place to learn and you know truly get involved is just really so special. And, you know, they even offer camps during the summer and they have educational tours. Um, those are often school trips, but the truth is anyone can do it. And, you know, besides the cultural aspects, those camps and the tours... Give the kids the opportunity to learn French and they learn um, about environmental topics. They can also spend time at the watershed exhibit that's there at Vermilionville. See, that's another part of this that just makes Vermilionville so amazing. It's not just about the culture, it's actually part of what's called the Bayou Vermilion District that was established back in 1990, and it was to work towards keeping the water clean, to monitor the water, um, as well as taking care of, um, I guess, the environment that's around the water in general. Basically, they have people that are on the water, on the Vermilion River, from Karen Crow all the way to Maurice, Louisiana. And those guys are keeping the water free of trash they're cutting back trees you know to keep the waterway clear and just a variety of other things that keeps the river navigable for anyone that wants to use it that's probably another little tidbit about Cajun culture a lot of people don't know is that the waterways here are very important there's a lot of water and people use that water a lot for recreation or for fishing and things like that and plus you have to keep it clear for um things like flooding risk and things like that so um Monitoring this water, keeping it clean, and making sure the environment is taken care of is um, a huge undertaking and very, very important for this area. And another thing they do that I found fascinating and just learned about recently, there's an herb garden that's right inside when you first get into the village. And the Lafayette Master Gardeners actually take care of it, and it contains herbs that are native to Louisiana. Many of those would be used in things like tinctures and such to help people treat ailments. So I thought that was amazing and beautiful. Of course, there's also a restaurant on site, um, La Cuisine de Moment. Of course, y'all, I didn't think about how much I was going to have to pronounce French things when I started this podcast. So I'm going to hope I learn more as I go. So please pardon my um, my not so great French. Anyway, at this restaurant, you will find what I would call very typical southern and Cajun cuisine, and oh my goodness, it is so delicious, and it's so much, I mean, when you get this meal, when I tell you you're going to be satisfied and full and need to walk the village to walk some of that off, or you know what, um, take your leftovers home and you're going to eat on that for a couple days, it's absolutely amazing. If you're planning a visit, check it out, Um, they're open Tuesday through Sunday, Um, But absolutely check it out if you go. And there's one more new thing that I just found out about with Vermilionville. They now have a brew house. Their um, museum operations director there at the village decided to start it. He evidently um, brews at home, so he knew some things about that. But what he's doing is he's using historical recipes. But then he converts them just ever so slightly for kind of that modern taste And I was told that one of the first beers that he had for the staff to try out was a molasses ginger beer. And y'all, I'm here for it. Doesn't that just sound delicious? Oh my goodness. I can't wait to try that. So in case you didn't notice before, um, places like this just make me so happy. You know, they're keeping those old traditions alive. And like we said, it's not just Cajun. It's Creole and Native American as well. And having places like this so that you can learn and so that you can immerse yourself in it and remember all of that history or learn all of that history, it's just so important. <laughs> now, we'll share with you one thing that I've noticed. Um, often if you call someone here the wrong thing, and what I mean by that is sort of the wrong kind of Creole, or you say they're Creole when they're Cajun sometimes there's a little bit of anger that may come with that but it feels like that anger is because they're basically just fiercely proud of their heritage and their traditions and they just, they want to uphold it and I guess defend it in a lot of ways and look, it's not like people are walking around proclaiming, I'm Creole or I'm Cajun it's not like that they just are Um, things like this tend to come up in a conversation maybe about food or cooking or something like that that tends to be different from one culture to another and in case you haven't noticed important in a lot of these cultures here and that's when you tend to see it kind of come out you know often a little bit of friendly banter where someone is proclaiming you know yeah your gumbo will never be as good as mine you know things like that and of course sometimes it's not quite as good-natured but I think that the feeling behind it is the same and that's this fierce defense of who they are but the thing I find even more fascinating possibly more fascinating than all the things I've said already is when something goes wrong when a hurricane hits or someone's in trouble what your culture is is just no longer important people pick each other up they help however they can they bring a casserole when someone's sick or when someone maybe has passed away you know they help each other raise their kids they pick up each other's yards or cut trees when the hurricane has come and you know what they probably are sharing a beer while they're watching lsu or the saints play it's when it counts this whole community becomes united Skin color, nationality, culture, none of those things matter anymore. I feel like it's like this in other places too, right? Am I wrong? Um, Are the old ways dying in other cultures too? Because it just seems like the kids that are coming up, they're just, they're not as into it. They'll do some of the things that their parents or grandparents did. But they may not even realize why they're carrying on the tradition or what it really is. And I know there are pockets like this, other places, you know, a, a little Italy or, um, you know, pockets of folks that are, I think there's Puerto Rican pockets in like New York and places like that. You have Chinatown and I think that's San Francisco. Um, Look at the Cuban culture that you see in South Florida. I mean, you see evidence of these cultures in all those places and I'm sure there's more than that. I mean, I know there's more than that. And did you know there's a whole German population here in South Louisiana? Yeah. And they celebrate, y'all. They do it up really, really well. Um, I think it's coming up here in October. We'll have to plan to do an episode on that, too. But my point is, when it counts, does your culture really matter? Or do you all come together and take care of the crisis? And beyond that, beyond the crisis... How often do you, you know, share recipes? Oh, yeah, my mama did it this way. Try it that way. And then you do. And you taste it. Or you then try it and incorporate it into what you cook at your home. Or maybe you share a drink. And you learn from each other. Because we all have something interesting to share and to learn. And when we do that, it helps us understand each other. But it also helps us understand ourselves and it may be that as you are understanding yourself there may be things about you that you know what I don't I don't really like that part of this culture I don't really like that part of my my background and my history and I would like to try and change and be better as we go into the future and I would like to maybe treat people differently um, because historically in my culture That's not something we always did. But now I want to change that. I want to do that. So I believe knowing our culture, knowing our history is vital. And I think it's something that much of it we need to keep alive. And there are parts that we need to learn from. But isn't that what it's all about? America was called a melting pot, right? And I think in many ways we still are. People still come from all over, all many countries, and, you know, sort of find their place here. And I know when I was working on this podcast, I spoke with my friend Ellen, who is the marketing director at Vermillionville and is fabulous, by the way. Can't thank her enough for all this information. And she explained it like this She said she has a friend of hers that says, We've made a gumbo of everyone who showed up here. And I just loved that. Um, I don't know if you've ever made a gumbo, but for a gumbo to work and to be satisfying, it takes patience. It takes time. You have to meld all those ingredients together. Um, You add all your spices and you patiently nurture it and mix it together until it becomes something fabulous. Perhaps that's a lesson that the world could use right now. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure and like and rate and follow and do all the things for our podcast. It really does help us out. Links and any other important things you need to know will be in the show notes. So make sure to check those out. If you have ideas of topics you'd like to hear about or questions you want us to answer, drop those on the Pretend Cajun page on Facebook or Instagram. And if you're interested in theta healing or maybe a reading, head over to the website, which is pretendcajun.com, to schedule a time. In the meantime, take care of yourself and each other. Until next time.